The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to the England chapter of Masks of Nerolothetep with our investigating crew, who uh, may have found or made a new friend last game. More, more on that in a little bit. Uh, for now, let's get through introductions. So to my right. It's uh, Laura uh, Balani. I'm playing Lawrence Oliver, Edward Oliver Forsyth, and uh, I'm internally screaming, row, row, row your boat. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that's a good scream for you at this point, at least internally. I wouldn't do it externally, given your um, proximity to tentacles and strange brown, muddied pygmy heads. Yep. But again, I digress. Uh, to Lawrence is right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane. And I feel like I'm having an existential crisis from the activities of the last few weeks. Wait, another one? Another. It just continues. <laughs> Life is just one rolling existential crisis. And it on is. that note, um, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'll be playing Jack Doyle. So Mr. Doyle's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And, um, well, so far, so good, I suppose. It's amazing what you can do with a little time to yourself and a little less traipsing through the moors of England, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I don't need to get muddy. Right, right. Uh, to the doctor's right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and I also didn't get muddy. No, you got a wardrobe change and a, a bunch of cool new toys to play with. I got upgraded. Upgrade. Level up. And last but most certainly not least. This is Alex. I'll be playing Simone Granger, and uh, I was... Molested by a multi-headed, muck-coated, grabby, feely, gnarly, moist river monster from a nightmare. Real. That was, that was pretty intense. I mean, I enjoyed it anyway. Me too. Uh, well, coming soon. Don't worry. We raise the curtain tonight on the moors of England. Uh, along the coast there, on the naves, as our three erstwhile investigators continue to row home. Uh, Lawrence, your arms and shoulders are red hot now from the constant moving back and forth. You've had a chance to change on and off a little bit with Jack, but Simone, unfortunately, with the wound is not necessarily up to a ton of rowing. Right. And I've had a really, really, really long day. <laughs> I've done a lot of physical labor and I whacked my head. And... Yes. So you row. 
I try not to lose too much of, you know, my life energy in the boat <laughs> and just, you know, keep as, keep as much of it wrapped up in it as I can. I don't know if you've ever had a chest wound, like an actual chest wound, um, but without like a proper first aid kit, it, it is a little difficult to, to bandage this up. You end up having to do some makeshift work with probably a jacket, the sleeve I mean, I- of a jacket or something or... Like, I imagine it's going to require, like, active compression. Like, I'm probably holding something very yes. dense, very tightly. You, you probably have a little bit of the of the the blanket or the the, the tarp or whatever it is. Just a sleeping bag. There you go. Sleep, yeah, to, to <laughs> cradle against you. Uh, as as it little, slowly turns red. Bit, well, <laughs> yes, yes. But, but also, your skin is a little, uh, not just from the wound, obviously, there's pain. But you feel around the, because it's impossible not to, the, the heat that comes off your collarbone and where this thing attached to you at. Great. So I've also got a hickey. Well, you're actually more concerned medically if it's an infection. Uh, I didn't want to think about being septic or anything, but thanks for that. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What are the three of you doing besides rowing? And Other than that, I feel amazing. <laughs> Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, I was a play. Uh, so I'd like each of you to make a navigate roll to, in the darkness here with your two torches, get back towards the naze. That's fair. And I have like no hope. Right. So it isn't that you don't find your way back by any means. It's that it takes another 10 or 15 minutes to get where you're going. You get lost again a little bit, Lawrence. Um, but having been lost in these moors now three times um you you get a little bit you're you go okay well the coast is on my left so if we just go south we'll be fine and that's what you do yeah i was gonna say i i was just going to uh um uh follow somebody who looks like they know where they're going <laughs> the tough part about that for, is is that it seems that the, your two other compatriots are following you i know i am I have nothing but faith in Lawrence. You get back to the uh, marina and the hotel. Uh, it is the dead of night now. Look, okay, there's anybody around to bother me while I get upstairs without uh, too much trouble. And uh, you probably, uh, for a little bit of the way, have to have to help Simone. Not have to, but you help him up just to make sure that he's okay. Is there activity up here? Like, are there lights on or everybody's doors are closed? Oh, there's no, there are no lights on other than the one at the end of the hallway by the bathroom. Everyone's doors are closed. Perhaps one of you could uh, rouse the doctor. I like fall into my room and just kind of, I won't face first into the bed, but it's pretty close. And I will try to start unbundling all the stuff that's kind of keeping me together. The worst part about this for you, Simone, beyond the, the falling over and trying to get to something that's halfway comfortable is that when you pull your bag away from your chest, you can feel the fibrous material in your skin peel pieces of that, the top layer of that skin off. That's gooey. You know what? I'll let the doctor take care of it. I can't think. I was thinking like, I'll try to get some water. Nope. I'm just going to, I'm going to lay down and stare at the ceiling and see how dizzy I am. Very. I'm going to try to, I'm going to just try to focus on like what's going on in me right now. Like, do I feel ill? No. I mean, I know I'm, I know I'm like sore. Like we were definitely out there, but like. You're not hot so much as you're exhausted. 
and the blood loss is not helping. And damn it, where's the doctor? Yeah. He's actually already half prepared. The moment he heard them come through the door of the hotel, um, or where we're staying, he pretty much assumed that one of them was going to be hurt. So he was already <laughs> gathering his medical supplies and getting them ready. So already has his hand on the knob. Just did show me. Yeah. Show me what is going on. Lawrence in the hallway has a head wound and the door to Simone's room is open. Mein God, who is hurt in the worst? Rouse Lillian or Maeve and I will, I will t tend to Simone. Uh, the doctor enters the room and surveys the damage. His upper torso has been... It looks like he was bitten by a lion. This is grievous. What, what happened here? The doctor begins to clean the wound, clean around the area of the wound, and apply his trade to Simone's chest. Hmm. He gives Simone a large breath of the ether bag that he has made oh. for making it easy to breathe ether uh, because that will help with Simone's pain and it's fast. Give again as a Betsy monster. Breathe, yeah. Breathe deep. And then begin looking over the wound and sewing him up best as I can. Okay, so are you going to use first aid or medicine? I am going to use first aid first in order to stabilize and clean the wounds, um, uh, triage, and then I'm going to shift over to medicine when it becomes clear that, you know, simple first aid tactics are, you know, have reached limit. Okay. So, yeah, you're within roughly or so about an hour of the wound happening, so you're able to, to use first aid. So that's a 41 under 59 for okay. first aid. Simone can regain a hit point. Yay. Am I am I stoned or unconscious? Well, that depends on how much you breathe, sir. How, how out of it would you prefer to be? I mean, I'm not looking I'm not looking to go under like into surgery. Okay. Well, then I only give him a um a few breaths from it and um continue my ply since he's awake. I try to be fairly ginger, so as I don't want to, you know, cause him undue pain. Uh, extreme success, two under 82 for medicine. Wow. Oh, yeah, I have been drinking for almost two days. You spend about an hour or so with him, carefully by hand stitching wounds closed, especially some of the larger bite. It, the teeth irregularity is, uh, it's, it's intriguing, actually, Doctor. This doesn't conform to any sort of bite pattern you've ever seen. It doesn't look like a snake. It doesn't look like a lion. It looks like something that has just teeth everywhere. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to take a picture of the wounds, please. Whoosh. There's a big flash in the room, Simone. You're stoned at mm. this point. Would you like me to pose? I will kind of like let my chest out a bit. Display the wound for him. Yes. <sighs> I make sure he gets a couple of good photographs and then I tightly bandage the wound, making sure it's nice and clean and uh, give Simone just, just enough 
morphine and ether mixed to probably make him fall asleep now. Are we done taking pictures? You are done taking pictures. Now close your eyes for a moment. I hug the doctor. <laughs> All right. Roll a D3, doctor. So that's a two. Okay. So Simone, uh, heal an additional two hit points. Awesome. Um, while I'm hugging the doctor, I, I whisper in his ear, Gav again, as a pet sea monster. <laughs> and then I just kind of like slump against his chest. We can suspect things like this from Gaffigan. I'm not surprised. But the fact that it is there and possibly other things does slightly change our plans, does it not? As I stand, as he stands up and wipes his hands. Well, you, you are the tacticians. I will leave it with you. But I have yet more work to do here on Simone. And Lawrence, come in here too. I wish to look at your head wound. Um, did anyone wake Lillian or Maeve to, to tend to Lawrence? Or did just Lawrence just go to bed and was like, fuck it, I have a head wound? Fuck it, I got, I got, I got, a, I got treatment. Well, I figure, uh, yeah, if, if I didn't, as I was busy, I figured somebody else was probably going to at least, you know, wrap a towel around his head so that he didn't bleed out. Um, actually, yeah, you didn't see him, um, actively bleeding, doctor. You did see something was wrapped around his head. And by the time you get to him, uh, Mr. Forsyth passed out, like in his bed. I uh, I do a superficial cleaning of it. May you know, I'll look it over and make sure that it's not going to become grossly infected overnight while or, you know while he's asleep, and do what I can without waking him. Yeah, no, he's right now sleeping like the dead. Um, you 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 dab a few things and try to clean a few things up. He doesn't move a muscle. He's exhausted and dead to the world. Convenient. Then I remove the thing that was wrapped around his head and bandage him while he's passed out. Won't even say asleep while he is unconscious. There you go. So the morning arrives for Miss Lane and Miss O'Shea. So yeah, I would say, uh, Lillian, you're probably first up. And say, you know, at a reasonable hour. I'm assuming I did not hear them come in. You did not. Or else I probably would have checked everything out. Okay, I get up and get dressed and ready for the day. Mm -hmm. So, how early is it in the morning? How early? It's probably a little after seven. I'm going to get dressed in something comfortable. And I'm going to go down to the beach and I just... I'm going to go for a, a, a brisk walk. Yeah. You can easily get that accomplished. Um, you realize that you have to put on a, a jacket... It's still a little cold. Um, while it's not freezing by any means, uh, it is still in the, you know, in the 40s range here, given that it's February. You get your walk in, your, your calisthenics of the day. And uh, Miss O'Shea, you're probably up next, although not as early as Lillian. I'm going to get dressed and head over to Jack's room because he told me to take a look at the pictures in the morning. He did. He did. You uh, step over into uh, Jack's room. You find him asleep but there's a line of photos that have been taken. Oh, well then I will 
be a creep and go <laughs> look at his pictures while he's sleeping. <laughs> yeah, you take a look at the, the pictures. Yeah, this is pretty gross uh, picture-wise, Mr. O'Shea. Although not entirely... One of the photos doesn't, doesn't come out all the way. It, it didn't develop properly. But you do see what appears to be a large pharaonic statue. It's black. And there are many little candles around it. This appears to be some sort of altar likely to the Black Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. You also see another picture with a what looks like a probably four or so foot wooden post. And there are several chains attached to it and manacles. And there is a person, uh, a male subject here who has been disemboweled. And you see several holes on their side and then their thighs where it seems that something has they've been beaten with something and that has actually ripped the flesh away like a spiked club quite possibly that's my assumption okay and that's like there's like no writing no no there's nothing there's no symbology other than other than the statue there is some it looks like there was some etching into this pillar, this wooden pillar, but the you can't make out what right. what's been written on it. Okay. And then the third picture is it looks like the developer the development washed it a little bit, but it was more of an up close picture of this black pharaoh piece. Uh, and there is a definite you get a you get an, a, a feeling like a weight on your chest when you view it. There is some depth to the piece. Okay. And it's just all black, right? Yeah, it is a beautiful black. Is it like a burial mask? Seems to be. And it's just sitting by itself on an altar. Well, the candles, right? Yeah, candles surround it. So is it those are the only pictures then? Yep, just those three. Yeah, I'll just... um get some breakfast and okay. And I'm not going to go rummaging through his stuff. The only reason I was in his room is because he told me to look at the pictures. Sure. You're eating breakfast and Lillian comes back in from outside. Hey Maeve. How is it out there? It's a little brisk out. This whole country is brisk. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind a little, a little sunshine and a little warmer weather. Um, is Maeve sitting at a table and the dining room or where is yeah that would be that's the only place to sit here okay is there a pot of coffee on the table or maybe some tea it looks like a teapot maybe i drink tea that that is perfectly fine if there's not a cup on an extra cup on the table i go and grab one from over behind the bar and then i sit down at the table with mave and pour myself a cup of tea what are you looking at nothing the pictures were in jack's room i don't have them with me if that's what that's you're asking true. But you must be looking at something. Oh, I probably am. <laughs> Who are we kidding? Same book. Oh, I'm probably still looking at um, Swift's um, journal because I want to find the connection between that knife I have and Yig, but I don't have the knife out. That's that's secured away. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> so yeah, she's looking at a leather-bound uh, journal. It looks handwritten. 
kind of give it the just a brief once over. I, I figure if Maeve wants to discuss what she's reading, she will discuss it. I'm, I am, I don't think she's keeping anything. I just think that if she has something important to say, she will say it. Did the guys ever come back? I, I didn't check in this morning. I know Jack's back only because um, he told me to look at some pictures. Don't look at the pictures. Oh, is it, is it the pictures from the basement? Oh, right. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I promise I won't look at the pictures. I was, it was, yeah. Did you see anything that caught your eye, though? That I might not have noticed? Not really. I mean, it, I can only tell so much from pictures, but he didn't grab that pharaoh mask, did he? He did not. It's a pharaoh figure, not a oh, figurine figure. mask. Okay. I was thinking it was like a bust, you know, like the burial mask. He didn't grab that figure, did he? On I, the altar? I don't believe so. He was very interested in that cat statue. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what was up with the cat statue, but apparently it was very important to him. I don't know. Maybe he liked it. I, I don't know. Did you talk to Jack at all? Or no, just look he's at the sleeping. Pictures? Okay. I kind of raised my eyebrow at her. And I'm sure they'll talk to us later. Yeah, I, I don't know how late they came in. Um, Jack just told me to look at the pictures in the morning. Okay. Is there any breakfast around, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a small circular plate that's here on the table that has a, some cheeses and some different pastries and whatnot. I grab one of the pastries and kind of leave Maeve to read her book and I just kind of watch out the window. Simone, you wake in your bed, which after last night you don't even remember laying down in. Hmm. Doc has probably pulled up a chair and is asleep in the chair near Simone, like with a blanket draped over him. I will probably, um, I'm not going to set up too fast, but I'll try to set up a bit. Yeah, I'll get, try to get my head, like, I don't know, I don't want to be parallel. I'm going to try to scoot back a bit get some get a little vertical how vertical can I get mm, probably about 45 60 degrees or so that sounds good <laughs> that sounds sounds about right I see the doctor dozing over there yeah he is asleep for sure but how do I like am I, I don't know, I'm gonna ask if I feel okay but no you don't feel okay but can I breathe and like do I feel ill Delusional? No, you you don't feel ill or delusional. You feel like out of like like you're having an out of body experience for just a moment. Like you don't really believe what you saw last night for a moment, and then I'm not even thinking about it. I'm thinking about the. I'm just thinking about what it, what it did to me. Focusing on the parts that I understand, like the stitches, bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> like the, okay. Does this rustling wake me? It does. Um, I'll look over the doctor's handiwork. Like this, this has to look impressive, right? Wallace. <laughs> Good morning, Simone. Mm-hmm. I am glad to see you are still this side of the soil. That uh, makes more than one of us, Doctor. Um, I applaud your work. I hope I hope I did not uh, bleed too much onto your shoes. Do not worry. Uh, they are quite used to people bleeding on them at this point. And I must say, it is some of my very best work. 
I haven't had a chance to practice stitches in quite a while, and I'm glad to see I still have the knack of it. It pleases me to uh, provide you with the opportunity. Do try to rest. I'm uh, I am not intending to go anywhere. I was uh, hoping that maybe you could uh, perhaps... I'll, like, gesture over to the leather tote that's kind of, like, sitting on the table. Um, if you could pass me some of my things, uh, I could probably get myself cleaned up a bit without uh, disturbing my rest. You can clean up. You don't look really comfortable in that chair. Doctor's prerogative to watch his patient. My comfort comes secondary to someone who may not live through the night. There would appear that I have, and... Uh, just like an apple and some coffee. Yeah, so it would seem you have. And good. <clears throat> I owe Jack five dollars, but you know, still. <laughs> he kind of chuckles. You bet against me, Doctor? Man, no. The other way. I always bet with my handiwork, not against you. <laughs> I will arrange for coffee and water. You'll need to drink a lot of water. I do uh, appreciate your expertise smiles and just kind of nods his head. Your appreciation can be shown by getting better. Oh, give him a thumbs up and lean back. Basically, the only stuff that's in my bag is like my mouthwash, a towel, you know, it's like basic stuff. Uh, my oh. hand mirror. I feel gross. I'm gonna shave. That sounds fun. Uh, Doc spends the rest of the day puttering around pretty much just tending to Lawrence and to Simone and kind of hovering around Jack for a little while to make sure that he's not, you know, injured but isn't saying anything as Jack is wont to do. Yeah, Jack doesn't appear to be injured. He just was tired from yesterday's events. Alright, well, that's what I'm doing today then. Okay, Lawrence, there's enough walking around here on the second level to uh, finally get you awake. Yeah. And although your muscles are sore, yep. wouldn't be the first time your muscles have been sore after a long day of work. Yep. The first thing I will do when I get up is go check my guns. Make sure they're all operable. They seem to be. You're going to have to probably clean the shotgun. Yeah, I'll start doing that right now. I'm taking it easy today. I'm just going to sit in my room and clean my guns. So barring small talk, I guess what I'd like to get an idea of is what Jack is doing with the week of time that he has before the, the new moon. Oh, okay. Right. So why don't you give me an idea of what Jack is doing. He'll probably spend some time every day or as much as he can, just going out into the moor area away from town and firing off a few rounds at some targets just to try to get a feel for how accurate it is, how much it jumps when it's in auto and stuff like that. Okay. You are able to locate, if you take the time, you are able to locate in Colchester nearby some forty-five caliber ammunition. Yeah. Um, and that kind of fuels your ability to train with the Thompson a little bit. One thing you do notice is that that drum pack that the Thompson has, it creates mm -hmm. an awful lot of noise when you move with it. And okay, so, so yeah. you're going to have to figure out some system of either opening up the drum and, and padding, putting padding in there so that way the bullets don't clink up and down in it or mm -hmm. keep it someplace like in a bag because you're just imagining trying to go into Miser House with it and, and it yeah, would be very yeah. difficult to figure out how you wouldn't get noticed. 
Right. So I'll uh, definitely put it in a bag, I think, would be the best way. Because I don't know enough about how it works to keep it from gumming up if I try to pad it. Well, you do have time during the week to, to field strip the Thompson apart and get to know some of the internal parts. Is that you think that's something Jack would do? Oh, yeah, he would definitely uh, familiarize himself with the gun overall. And, uh, I mean, on just the, the time that you have with it on its more automatic mode, it, you can see why it has garnered such a reputation already. Oh, yeah. It's like probably like unlike anything I've ever fired before. Yeah, I mean, it's far different from the rifle that you carried in World War One. It's definitely different from the one, the, the rifle you had at home. And... I mean, it's it's like nothing else you've used before. Yeah, I guess it's it's probably a little intoxicating. There, there definitely is a thrill of having an automatic weapon in your hands and thinking about all the times that the that this weapon could have been useful to you. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Carlisle residence or whether it's some of the the mix-ups that you've gotten into. Uh, in the past, you can imagine what the tables would have looked like if you had had a gun that is essentially made for trench warfare. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, definitely uh, make this a regular part of my arsenal. <laughs> You're going to have to figure out a creative way, likely, to get it out of the country. You have yeah, to probably well, take it apart again. Yeah. I mean, I snuck it in the country. I'm going to have to sneak it around everywhere I go, most likely. So I'm going to use that false bottom in a. Uh, Maeve's trunk. Well, that's a great idea. I'm sure she won't mind you packing a completely illicit, fully automatic weapon in the bottom of her trunk. But I mean, she's got all sorts of crazy items in there anyway. Yeah, so I mean, she's got a mask with a human tongue on it. She has no room to talk. <laughs> well, from from what we know, the mask with the human tongue is going back to the uh, storage area that's being prepared. She's not going to well, carry that with her. But... I'm sure she'll find something equally gruesome to carry with her to the next leg of our trip. It just, it just means more space for the Thompson. Right. What is the group going to prepare over the next seven days? What's their next few steps? I'm pretty much going to see if that robe only has those pockets or if it has any other pockets. I mean, I know women in pockets, it's not a big thing, but... Uh, actually, it has one other, another pocket that's on the right side, which seems to be just about big enough to hold, say, a journal or something. Okay. And it's tough to get over the uh, feeling of the fabric, too. Then I gotta decide what journal. Well, Swift's, will Swift's journal fit in it? It would, yep. Just trying to think, like, so I don't have to take my whole satchel with me. Do I have anything that I could make, like, or have a belt for my knife? No, but there are some shops in town you might be able to find some leatherworking in. I mean, it's still a relatively small town, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of handmade items probably around here just because it's not, Colchester's the largest town that's still a ways away, so everyone here probably makes a lot of their own clothes. Is the hilt bigger than my ritual knife? Yes. Oh, so I have to take that one. Or measure it myself. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll go get a belt made for that. Okay. All right, Simone, 
walk us through seven days. Well, so the day that I, so the first the first day that I'm shaving, what I probably I probably just spend a lot of time on my own. At some point after shaving, I will likely go the extra mile and like basically leave my eyebrows because I feel like the way that that thing made him feel is un is very unclean. Like he feels kind of like worse worse than disgusted. So he is going to be taking the time to like groom himself head to toe and then probably aggressively exfoliate. Like not to the point where he's like, you know, wounding himself, but there'll be no shortage of to be really clean when he's done. And I think like in a lot of ways, he's going to, you know, try to scrape off all that fear and all that uck, mm-hmm. all the uncertainty, all the crazy and try to focus on the fact that one way or another, these people are going to have to decide what their priorities are and whether it's going to be Gavigan here or Gavigan in London or Gavigan at all. So I, that's probably a couple days where I'm a little bit in isolation. Obviously, like the doctor, I mean, I'm not going to like shoot people away, but I probably spend my time recovering. And yeah, makes sense. After that, I guess once I feel like I have my wits about me again, and I've kind of shed that skin. I feel like I've molted enough. You know, I'll give myself a once over. So, Miss Lane, give me a seven day idea. How does how does Lillian spend her time there? She uh, spends quite a bit of time alone. Um, she spends her days writing in her journal that she has. Um, she is also taken to slipping out a door trying to leave unnoticed leave her comrades from noticing that she's gone um, she goes back to the place where Jack was showing her um, how to defend herself and how to hand to hand combat um, but this time she goes alone probably on a daily basis to one not only continue practicing the moves that he taught her, but she also takes her hatchet with her to practice throwing. Just based on this, I'm sure the discussions that the group have had regarding um, Gavigan's pet. Um, She feels like she needs something else to help protect herself. Sure. She's she's angry. She's just not sure what she's mad at, whether it's herself or the fact that the guys almost got themselves killed or maybe both. But she needs somewhere to release that steam. And it's 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 a good outlet. OK, I would assume at some point, probably within a day or two, um, maybe when you're coming back in from one of your forays out towards the shoreline you would run into Maeve probably in the hall maybe lunchtime hey Maeve hey um I have a question to ask sure you know French correct I do my parents required me to take an additional language in school saying it would um, make me a proper young lady well it it, it could come in in handy. Um, would you mind um, tutoring me? I, I studied it as much as I can, but unless I'm actually going to practice speaking with somebody, 
you know, I'm not going to become fluent. And I really want to read that book that you got from Gavigan's office. Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to help. I'm, um, it, it's been a while, but I, you know, it's like anything else. It should hopefully come right back to me. So just let me know when you'd like to, to sit and go for everything. Yeah, if we can, you know, maybe over dinner this week or something. Sure, that would be, I'd be happy to help. Thanks. So the two of you probably spend uh, several of the nights, either during dinner or after dinner, going over the uh, linguistic differences between English and French and then kind of getting some sort of basis of it. This is something that um, if the two of you were just doing in the dining area, you know, it's somewhat noticeable. So I imagine that um, Simone would probably see it happen as well. Just because if people are going to begin speaking French, you're going to pick up on it at some point. Sure. I mean, if, if it looks like, um, if it looks like, looks like tutoring. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, I can, I'll, I'll idle. I'm, Depending on like when it's happening, I don't know that I would have a lot to contribute unless I feel like I feel like she needs help. If Lillian seems apt and it seems like it's something that she's, um, I don't know, engaging with, I'll, I'll leave her to it. But I mean, I'll, I'll I'll lurk. So like, you know, if I happen to catch something that I think is worth chiming in, I might pipe up. But I'm not trying to like loom again. I'm. I feel like right now. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's like totally antisocial, but he's a bit guarded. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, he probably looks unusually clean, <laughs> like hairless. So, uh, Miss O'Shea, why don't you give me an intelligence roll? We'll see what you can pick up from your time. 80 out of 90. Okay. You uh, you manage over the uh, say five of the seven days to really do. Well, actually, you get a second roll on that, right? Because of linguistics. Oh yeah, fast learner. Yeah, fast learner, or something like that. Yeah, that's a fifty-seven yeah, out of ninety. So, so same same level of success. Um, the five days that you spend with Miss Lane doing this are an amazing experience for you. You. I think really the two of you learn quite a bit about each other uh, in in this process. Um, Lillian is really sharp. And maybe she's not sharp in the way you are about specific subjects. Uh, but she's someone who can definitely convey an idea. And on the other hand, Lillian, what you find out about Maeve is that she is a voracious learner. And she's almost at sometimes difficult to keep up with. Uh, she picks things up really fast and she's ready to take the second and third and fourth step sometimes before you're prepared to teach it and so you realize that you have to kind of work things a little not not you have to go easy on her at all but that you have to be you have to be careful not to get out of your own element when big brains collide right well yeah kind of so i suppose then that leaves us with lawrence you recover physically from your head wound after a couple of days of work with the doctor. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, what are you spending your time doing? Well, I'm going to do two things. First, I'm going to rest because I've been 
I've been knocked about pretty solidly the past couple of weeks and I really need to take time to recuperate. But at the same time, I'm going to go out into town and I'm going to um, basically try and find somebody who can teach me how to navigate the land better because I didn't like getting lost like that. It got me it got me hurt and it got me lost and I don't like that at all. Why don't you give me a luck roll, Lawrence? Sure. That's a failure. Fifty eight out of forty nine. Okay. Um they tell you that uh the if you're looking for someone who knows the moors and the nays and whatnot, yeah, you, you need to get in touch with um there's a there's a man, his name uh, his name is uh, Arthur Estry. And uh, he must be out on uh, holiday right now, or perhaps he's uh, in Colchester. But uh, if you're if you're interested in making a foray into the Nays and, and seeing some of the wildlife and whatnot around here, uh, he's a man that keeps uh, keeps maps about it, and, uh, fairly detailed. I, I'm not so much worried about the maps. It's just more that you know, no, I, I want to be able to to learn how to move around when I'm outside better. Hmm. I don't want to get lost without necessarily having a map in hand. The uh, man about uh, man in town that you speak to said that there's a, uh, there's a bookstore uh, just across the way there. You might be able to find some field guides. That sounds like a capital idea. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a bit of, a bit of money spent later, you uh, have yourself a, field guide it's from looks like 1921 so a few years old but still uh in good condition fairly new spend a little time reading about how to properly navigate about the landscape that's all i want to do after seven days you realize you've got about two or three days before the new moon arrives and it's going to come time to set a plan in place about what the group will do when people begin showing up from London. Consider it's a, uh, perhaps a survival response, but uh, what if we went uh, with a bit of a uh, backstab? If we know when they are coming here, it means that uh, they cannot be in London. There are still uh, foundations that their organization is using to uh, operate Perhaps we could uh, isolate them, strand them in their uh, str- stronghold, I suppose. If we were to return to London and uh, see about uh, finding ways to dismantle or uh, negate their efforts with this Blue Pyramid and this uh, Penu, there will still be likely, uh, I assume, Monsieur Kionori will... Uh, be attending to matters while the boss is uh, summoning Powell's from other places. That would make sense, no? I like the idea of zigging when, when they zag. I also like the idea of not having to run into that thing again. Well, if you want to not deal with that thing, I can give you a good place to start. First of all, you gotta do something about Gavigan because he's the one gathering all of them and he probably has an immense amount of power however 
I also think the lady from the spice shop is also helping him. I think she was the priestess, and I think she has a lot of power. Based on some of the things that I've gotten, yeah. I'm hoping to use some of her power against her. How, how do you do that? I have her items. Here is what I see. I see that we are uh, perhaps allowing ourselves to be blinded by an opportunity to engage them on uh, a place where they have every advantage. I agree. Probably is a place of power for them. And you don't want to give them a chance to be able to summon something else if that's their ritual night. I assume there's only one road in there. Well, to be fair, when we uh, located the wall, we did not... The front gate had never been uh, revealed. Well, and the thing is, is if I do protection circle, I'm pretty much gonna be out. That's all I'll have. I mean, I think some of the items that the lady from the spice shop had maybe gave her a little bit more power so she could do a little bit more, but I don't know how much. So I don't know if I can maybe then do two two protection circles, but I know I can only work one at a time. So we could have them set up at like the door. And I know I personally can give myself a little bit of protection against her her spells, but I do, the only way I know how to protect you guys is with the circle. Do you... Th- you suppose that thing prowls the grounds during the day? That's really hard to say. I don't know much about it or where it comes from. Or, I mean, I know what I know about the Black Pharaoh, but it doesn't really specifically say, like, things have to be done, you know. But obviously this ritual is being done under the new moon, but that thing was out before then, so... I don't know. It attacked within uh, less than a few minutes of uh, me setting foot on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm. You also can't rule out that there's only one. I mean, I don't know what kind of power we're working with here. I'm, you know, I'm going just off of, <laughs> you know, what we've experienced so far. What do we know about this uh, spice shop? Oh, no. Has anyone spoken to you? We know that we've had... Uh, Meetings with Gavigan. Oh, Lillian's here, right? She should be. Yep. Okay, yeah, I gesture in her direction. But has anyone uh, had a chance to speak with this uh, shop owner? No. We made small talk with her when we were trying to be unassuming in her shop. But did we ask her, yeah, did we ask her what her cult name was? We did not. No, but I mean, if uh, we know that she is in allegiance with uh, Gavigan, what is their, uh, the nature of their relationship? Well, as far as I can tell by the items that were brought back, is she's a head priestess. Does that put her uh, on level ground with him? Are they, uh, is she, he, uh, which one of them is superior? Which one of them is the, uh, is it shared power? What? That I don't know because, I mean, unfortunately we had to get rid of Crompton's ghost so that he didn't come back. I cock my head. <laughs> Come again? Uh, Lillian was with us when we were in that in the doctor when uh, we found out all that stuff about my dad. 
I probably look even more confused now. Uh, when we went to the um, the Kia State, when we went and talked to Walmsley and and we went to the asylum. It's the Felstein healing, but anyway, yes, that's okay. Um, what does oh. this man's ghost have to do with the... Yeah, you were gone. That's right. So, Crompton originally started this cult in London. He was said to have been... To have died in 18... 1853 um he and uh but he kept showing up so um we found out that there was a ritual where he would take over somebody else's body and come back across and be alive again or he would make his own body is more of what it looked like but yeah he originally brought that cult stuff back with the black pharaoh like, he burned down a school to get a mask. So we went and took care of that so that we didn't have to deal with Crompton. So when I did more digging and found out more information about my father, which was a part of this ritual, he um, wanted to use basically the same kind of portal to cross that Crompton was coming through. But um, so Gavigan seemed like he wanted to get a hold of the ritual and he argued with my dad so I know that Gavigan also was a part of that because he's been a part of the spiritualist society for a while I don't know what he knows or how long he's been studying this or if he was just arguing with my father because he didn't want my father finding out about his cult, so I don't know. So this tale Compton found a way to uh, continue his life past death? Yes, basically. And do we know if Gavagan can do the same? I don't know. I know that he argued with my father about the ritual. I don't know if he had a part of why my father disappeared. I don't know any of that. Okay. What does that tell us about... Uh... Gavigan, not much. And this uh, spice shop owner? Spice shop owner has all the stuff that links to the cult. And and evidently they use the Blue Pyramid Club back in London as a base as well. That's where most of the members of the cult work. And Crompton is linked to the Egyptian murders too. I mean, I'm just assuming that whatever road they go into this manor at, given the way things work around here and as remote as it is, it's probably a one lane probably a one-lane dirt road. I mean, I'm fantasizing about all sorts of horrible things due to those cars. So I'm just kind of lost in my thoughts drinking whatever coffee is there. <laughs> Look, sir, I'm used to labor negotiations. All we need is a bit of liquor and some bottles. Or alternatively, gasoline. Whichever one's handier. With that, then, the investigators have about three days left to plan before the new moon. And I think I got a feeling things are going to get a little messy. So thanks for listening and we will catch you next episode.